Welcome to the Guy at the Movies podcast, episode 170. I am Joe. He is Sean. What is going on with you tonight, Sean? Oh, just nothing much. Just living the life. It doesn't even feel like weekends and weekdays anymore. Everything's just a blur. I it's like the Sunday scary still hit yesterday. And then today I just felt like a POS, like trying to run around and get stuff done. But I don't know. It's these days off don't feel like it anymore when you're older. And I mean, even more so for you that you have a child now. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's the part of it where it's like the days off are basically I get to wake up and spend the morning with her. Like, and so that's a fun thing. But other than that, it's like, yeah, there's no difference at all. Absolutely. Ugh, I'm back to it tomorrow. I know. So Hope, snow day for me, hopefully. We'll see. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen here. I might be working from home, but we'll see. Uh, all right, we are recording on Monday the 15th. Uh, this is uh, NFL wildcard weekend, so it's been fun to watch some of those games. But it's also been fun to watch some movies, and that we have. Uh, let's talk about a couple of them here, Sean. Um, why don't we do this? Let's talk about the the newest release first, Yeah, uh, which would be Mean Girls. Uh, and then we can touch on the other two as well. But the first one is Mean Girls. This is a uh, movie musical based on the musical based on the movie. Uh, and it is it stars Renee Rapp, who is uh, actually just wonderful. I really enjoyed her. In yeah. Movie. Um, but uh, overall, this was this was a fun one for me. I have to say, I, I didn't know what to expect. It was originally supposed to go to Paramount Plus, uh, if ever, anyone remembers that back in the day. And they bumped mm-hmm. it to theaters when I guess they saw that it was a little higher quality than they thought. Um, it doesn't totally reinvent the wheel. It's the same story. There's this, a lot of the same jokes, but then they hit you with like a new joke right after that. Um, and have some new lines. The first, I thought you would uh, enjoy that first one, Sean. The uh, uh, she's like, "Hey, I was homeschooled," uh, and she goes, "Great, another job for my union. Yep. <laughs> take me away, another job, take it away from the union." Thanks. I'm um, kidding. But and you know, and I saw this musical, and there's one song in particular that I absolutely loved, um, and that that song is from uh, I'm going to butcher her name, Ali Cavallo, uh, Moana herself, um, when she sings "Revenge Party" is a lot of fun, but then she sings later on. Um, uh, I'd rather be me. And that was that, the best part of the movie, without a doubt. I love that song, and it's one that I listen to on a regular basis. And I just kept like when I found out that Moana was in it, I was like, "Oh, she's gonna kill this! It's gonna be awesome!" And she did not disappoint. Yeah, really she was she was a standout for me, without a doubt. I mean, there's a few different other uh, cast members I liked in this. Um, I that I've seen in just a couple of other things, and so I'm happy they're like getting their due. Um. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, Ali Cravalo being the standout was the like absolute hit. And I knew it because I'm like, oh, I looked it up and I was like, oh, she's Moana. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm already rooting for her. Yeah. Um, I think Renee Rapp was great um, as Regina George. Um, <clears throat> and Gory Rice I've seen in a few things. And I think she was okay as Katie. I think that there's been a new TikTok trend, which I don't like these new TikTok trends of dunking on movies. They did it for a while with Wish where it was just like, how could this movie where it was like a Disney classic animated go to this? And then it shows a scene from wish, which I never think is that fair. And they did this with mean girls now where they, they played the cast recording of it. And then they played the uh, soundtrack from the movie. And it, unfortunately just like, you know, in the cast recording, they're rocking out, they're belting it out the best they can. And it's a little bit more subdued in the movie, which was an intentional choice, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you know, a translation from a Broadway play to a movie is just not really gonna be you can't have a one-to-one. Right. So, I mean, I from that I was just like, oh man, that's a little bit rough to hear. It's a little bit rough to see. Now, I, I heard about those TikToks after it. When I walked out of the theater, I said, I had fun. I had fun. It's impossible to get over the 2004 show. Oh, to get absolutely. The 2004 show. And this movie doesn't even ask you to do that. And that's like something that's very important. This is a different movie. This is based off of a musical. Um, and it's just such a, like, it, it, and when this movie did deviate from uh, what, like what it was supposed to be and did something a little bit different, that's when I started to enjoy it. When I heard the same lines, which, you know, some of those lines you have to show to advance the same plot. I did like sort of tense up a little bit. And I'm like, <laughs> This is better in the movie. And I, and I had to just kind of like, I, I, there's a part of you that has to just relax. No, this is a different movie. It's a very difficult thing to do. And so that's what held me back the most with this. But it, this is still a lot of fun and I'm recommending it to people. I just yeah. personally, I'm like, I'll watch, I'll watch the comedy. I'll watch the classic comedy again. 
Yeah, I so I'm a musical guy, as we know. So I was excited to see how they incorporated that all in the movie after having seen the musical. Uh, but I, I I had a good time. I think that's ultimately what I took from it. There's a, a lot of things that it can be critical. I can be critical about um, and will be should I ever decide to write this review. Uh, but the at the end of the day, I had a lot of fun in that theater. It seemed like everyone else was having, excuse me, a good time as well. Um, and you know, I laughed a lot. And you know, yeah. I, one of the things like just subtle things that they would do, like near the end when uh, Katie goes to throw part of their tiara um to renee rap and she's got the thing on and she's like <laughs> like completely missed it i lost it like that was just so stupid but it was so funny and there's a lot of those little moments i think renee rap destroyed in a positive way every song that she did oh yeah um she just owned it and for like a day i kept walking around going my name is regina <laughs> george I, I gotta say something like not just with their talents but Kind of some amazing uh, parent slash kid casting. Oh, there. absolutely! Like kind of scary good. Where like Renee Rapp and um, uh, Busy, Phillips Busy Phillips was one of them, and then the other one was uh, Jenna Fisher and Angora Rice looked like mother and daughter. Yep, like kind of in a yep. nutty way. And yeah, like I I think this is a fun enough retelling where it's not a it's not sacrilege that this film exists or anything. It just this does not ruin the classic at all. It's like no no no, it's not as good. But it's an interesting, different retelling that could be fun. I, I'm curious about the whole was going to be on Paramount+. Plus. Do we know the box office numbers on this right now? Yeah, so uh, box office report has them at, I want to say it was $12 million mm. for the weekend, which took number one over The Beekeeper and Wonka. Um, but that's actually kind of impressive because those are, like Beekeeper is one I think is going to be in theaters for a while. Cause oh, I apologize. I completely was off on that. I don't know where I came up with that number. Um, it's in first place over MLK Jr. Holiday Frame with respective estimated three day gross of twenty eight million and four oh. day of thirty two. Okay, that's way better. Okay, yeah. so I, I was going to say twelve million. Twelve million. It's like, oh boy, I should have been streaming that one. But uh, no, th that's actually a very respectable amount and makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It had. Um, uh, let me see. Three. 3.225 million from Thursday and the uh, early access on Wednesday. Oh yes um and yeah i mean the film's b rating at cinema cinem on cinema score cinema score suggests that the mean girls is going over similarly with audiences as it is with its critics the fact that not everyone has been aware that the version is a musical could also be taking a bit of a toll that's a whole nother thing that we have to talk about at some point Dude, is this was bad like, decision not to market musicals it's it's a lot of them too. It's a it's a whole lot of them. I mean, Wonka's the same way. It was this one. I could name like three or four others where like they they just like lightly touch upon mm -hmm. it's being a musical because they don't they don't outright hide it, which is probably how they get out of it legally. But it's it, there is something strange where they just like a quick dance like scene, then like one quick like part where they're singing and that's it. And then of course like you you go onto IMDb and it says musical. They're not burying any leads. But just to not have that, I mean, it feels like a strange move because it's like, oh, we want, well, we uh, everybody hates musicals apparently, so we want to get them in here. I'm like, well, what's going to happen in the first five minutes when they're in there? They're going to be pissed off. And like, unless they're expecting the musical, which maybe they'll like that instead. It was a strange, strange uh, move that a lot of movies are doing. Someone on uh, Instagram, or maybe it was Twitter, or X, whatever you want to call it, was uh, they retweeted something where it was a... A, a studio official saying that they mark they didn't market it as a musical because it's not what people want to see or something like that and then they were like the the person was like why produce them then but i actually argue with that like i think people do want to see them like yeah. there is obviously a market for it they were just trying to hoodwink people into thinking this was just a like straight retelling well and people were more pissed about that they're like wait why are they just flat remaking mean girls and mm -hmm. And I, I, I explained to people, no, they're not flat remaking Mean Girls. This is based on this is something that's done a lot, where it's you know it is the play that's based from the movie that they made into another movie. It's done so many times. Hairspray, producers. hairspray, yeah. It's like it's done a lot, and uh, the color purple just recently did it. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that you know they're like just straight remaking a movie. It's from a musical, which color purple also was another one that you know I was going to say sure. that. <laughs> like, they, they 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 showed occasionally a song, but they really buried the lead on it. Yeah, yeah. I it it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but that's we'll have that discussion another day because it's really freaking odd. 
Um, overall, good time at theater. I think I'm recommending it to people too if they're just looking for something mindless and going to laugh. Yeah, it's 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 fun enough that I enjoyed myself and had a smile on my face throughout yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Another movie that I've been recommending to people, and then they come back and they're like, "Do you have anything lighter?" Is <laughs> Society of the Snow on Netflix, and this is, of course, the film about the plane crash of the uh, the 1972. Uruguayan air plane crash where it stranded a rugby team in the Andes and um, a lot of drama ensued. Um, many people perished and there were questionable choices made. Um, this is, a, it's not a remake of Alive, but it's telling the same story as Alive, just in a very, a very different way, in my opinion. Um, Sean, this is one that I texted you about when I first watched it and was like, holy hell. Um, I, uh, this is one that stuck with me since I watched it probably a month ago at this point, maybe three weeks. Uh, it is just the production value on this is stellar. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm not going to steal your thunder there and let you talk a little <laughs> bit about how that's filmed and stuff. Cause I know, I know where you're going to go with that. Um, but I thought that the acting was phenomenal. I thought that the choice of having a narrator as, uh, or one of the teammates as a narrator and then finding out like what happens to that teammate yeah. throughout the movie and the narration continuing really made an impact and was, was different. Um, I, I have, I had goosebumps watching this movie and thinking back to it and thinking back to certain scenes, I still have said goosebumps. It's just a really fascinating portrayal of, um, you know, the, the will to live, the will to survive, the will to keep going uh, and those questionable choices and how they went about executing those questionable choices. Uh, I just thought all in all, it was really one of my favorites of the year. It's why it ended up number two on my list. It's a damn, damn good Survivor movie. Um, and that's a genre that, you know, go has to go very specific, unfortunately, where, like, there's not much creativity you can have here. And I think what J.A. Bayona does in this is he maximizes the scale. He puts in the stakes. He, like, starting it off with a plane crash that's terrifying looking. And then, like, everyone is chaos. And then they begin to evolve to try to um, survive and many don't. And then how, how do they handle that? How do they reckon those situations? And I know, yeah, the one thing you're going to say like, uh, that uh, you left me to ramp up on for the love of God, film on location. Yes, sure. This production was hell for them financially and physically, but filming on location is just such an essential part of this. I had to like, I did look it up because I just wanted to make sure while yeah. this was playing and uh, yeah, they filmed the majority of this on location. And I think it's such a stellar part of it because it understands the vastness of it all. You understand the experience. Yeah. And so, yes, you get like he he's able to capture the whole vast thing, but then personally grab into everybody um, like the, the camera goes right in in a type of fisheye lens that I have not seen before on each character where you you experience their suffering. I can't really I can name maybe a couple of characters at the end of it, mm -hmm. but there were still so many that I felt such a bond with. And, yep. you know, when in the end they like finally do like the, the, the survivors eventually make it out, you 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 feel unbelievably uplifted from that. And you yep. can't believe that this is finally happening. And um, yeah. And uh, my my one concern was, you know, there there's. There's, if you just know the true story at all, there's cannibalism in this. And that is, uh, that's, a, you can go down a very disrespectful route there. And um, they, yeah, it, they covers it, they cover it and uh, they cover it respectfully. They give it a, a, a deep and grave conflict, even for those being involved in it, those who choose not to and eventually have to, because you just literally, you are starving to death. You have to. And so um, they, you know, they are tortured from this. And I think survivors interviewed still say they are tortured from this. And, um, but this is a, the type of movie that like, just is about like doing what you can, the necessities you can to uh, strive for, um, to strive, to strive to survive. Um, and uh, I, I was blown away by this visually stunning. You really do experience like their suffering. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great watch for an afternoon, honestly on the couch. And, this is uh, what if we're like, you know, peek into the talking Oscar situation. International film is freaking wild this year, <laughs> um, is really freaking wild. But this feels like the all quiet on the Western front of the year where it's just like, you know, something on Netflix that's just sneaking through and uh, could be it. But um, I mean, it's going to get it's going to grab a lot of technicals and deserves to. I'm going to uh, steal this from the game that we're going to play a little later. Uh, but one of the letterbox reviews from Vitor was if this was an American film, it would win like six Oscars, but you people are not ready for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> 
that is actually quite accurate. Yeah. <laughs> if we saw a movie star, that's true though. If we saw an American movie star in that situation, mm -hmm. we'd be like Oscar now, yep. like immediately. Absolutely. Tom Hanks, yeah, <laughs> cast away I mean, too. I guess we. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's I, I, I'm with you on everything you said. It's it's just it, it got under my skin. Honestly, you know, mm -hmm. every time that there would be like an avalanche of snow or something, oh, I was just, just like, oh my god, again, and it like caught you off guard, and it caught them off guard. Obviously, um, it just oh my gosh, like everything about it. And you're right when they finally are rescued, the when the survivors are rescued, there's this just immense sense of relief. Um, after what we just watched, I, I it's just wild. I still want to do a deep dive on when they got home. Um, my dad was sharing that there was just a lot of stuff, like a lot of conversation, a lot of media about it after they got home. A conversation about what they did. Yeah. Um, so I want to dive into that a little bit, but I didn't want to uh, taint the film. <laughs> uh, let's talk American fiction. American fiction. I'm like stunned by this movie because this movie came out of nowhere. And uh, I remember I... I don't tend to watch trailers on YouTube unless they're for this, um, you know, this podcast or anything. And so this is one I missed until I howled in the theater. Um, I mean, straight up <laughs> howled, um, the entire time. And I think that's what's great about this movie is that it is there have been indictments on white fragility. There have been indictments on black representation in the media. That's already been there. We've seen movies like that. We've seen a lot of television like that. I don't think it's ever been done this well in the certain mistaken identity goofiness that we get from this, which <laughs> Jeffrey Wright is playing comedy. And this is not the first time he's played comedy, but this is the funniest he's been when playing comedy. Absolutely. And uh, like just every single time he stacks upon stacks upon stacks, like just trying to like destroy this like joke of a book that he made. He made it out of frustration. And he's trying to stop it, and it doesn't work, and instead gets better and better and better. Um, and I, what I really loved here, though, after all that, is the family drama that is taking place through this. Mm -hmm. And it's so impressive. Um, like, there's a massive spoiler of one of the characters that I thought was going to be in the entire movie and is not. And mm -hmm. that shook me hard. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but then you get Sterling K. Brown in this, who is doing something that he has never really done before um, with his still his usual intensity and still being pretty damn hysterical as well. Um, I, and that, that, then this sort of the ending of this is the part where I, I both love and hate it. Um, I don't know what to feel about it. It's very like extremely, this, this whole movie is, but especially the ending is extremely, extremely meta. And I can't tell if I'm sick of that kind of ending or I love the way it did actually end with this. And, you know, I mean, Adam Brody playing the white, the, the white civil rights director, like get Adam Brody some work now, man. Seriously. Like, cause like he, he would, he was fun back in his teens. We all love watching him grow up and he kind of, I guess, you know, did, did the usual disappearing act, but he is really funny in this. And, um, I don't know. I, I I loved a lot of things here. I mean, Sterling K Brown is getting like a little bit of Oscar buzz going into this. Really? I mean, well, he got a SAG nomination over like Melton and um, Ruffalo, which I don't think either of those are going to be um, being beaten out. But uh, so like, but now he's like, he, his, he's considered a little bit like he's yeah, it's, uh, not totally out of uh, it. Like, I mean, I think he's amazing in everything. Like I, I really do. And this is something where he's doing something very different. He's not a put together, like perfect gentleman in this. He's instead just like an, absolute chaotic mess. he's a mess yeah <laughs> and when you see when they see him over at the vacation house and you're like oh he did finally come to the funeral it's like oh no he, he just kind of was there <laughs> the, i co-sign everything you said i'll say that my favorite moments in this film were the interactions between jeffrey wright and sterling k brown and those two characters as oh, brothers yeah. and you know, the identity issues that are there, the difference in how they grew up and perceived growing up and the relationships in the family. And that's sort of the beauty of this movie that it was able to, you know, be absolutely hilarious and satirical, but then also very touching and genuine. It, it really balanced all that. And let's not forget that this is Cord Jefferson's first film. It's that the director's first film. Awesome. And, you know, I think, to me, the top two of this year in terms of first-time directors are Celine Song and Cord Jefferson. Yeah. Um, because this, and I, uh, you know, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, full disclosure, I had the opportunity to chat with him 
um, at the Philadelphia premiere when it was at the, it opened up the film festival. And that's when this film opened, I was like, Oh, this is going to be a good festival. Like we have, we have some good shit going on. Um, and he was just so delightful to chat with and talked about like not being able to put the book that this movie is based on down. The book is called erasure, um, from Percival Everett. Um, but it just, I, I just thought it was really well done and it, it did something that I wasn't expecting. And it is a film that came out of nowhere for me. I think, of all of the Jeffrey Wright performances that I've seen in my life, this is my favorite of his. Yeah. And I think he's never been better, honestly. And I walked out of the film festival saying that about two individuals, saying that about him and Paul Giamatti from The yeah. Holdovers. And it was just, I mean, we talked about this last week on the pod, but wow, what a wild ending to 2023 in terms of film with some real quality. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love, like, I, I meant to point it out that our top fives, like we all had one in common of Oppenheimer, but <laughs> after that, it was just all different, and none of us disagreed with the other top fives yep, because it was just like that thick of a. There was just like all of us just said the other ones were like you know right outside of our top five, and yeah. you know it's. But um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know if American Fiction would have cracked my cracked my top five. I hope um, it didn't crap your top five. <laughs> I would have never crapped it. Um, but uh, it would have never crapped it. <laughs> it was just so damn funny, and I think that it's one of of what they're trying to critique it's critiquing it so well um and you know Issa Rae's whole angle on this and the two of them at the end when like she said this was sort of pandering and then I love that they have that moment of great uncomfortability mm -hmm. like with the two of them clashing and it's it's nuts without a doubt I, I'm thinking back now as we're talking to the the table scene when they're uh, judging the books and they're oh having a conversation God. that oh how awkward that was but how well done that was well they, and they managed to like grab they, they grabbed a um like one one of the writers is definitely like a ghost writer for Shapiro or something like he's <laughs> he's an absolute shit stick and then you have like someone else who's like you know liberal white but meaning well and then you had Issa Rae and but like you and you have every sort of corner there and yeah. i love their idea of like oh yeah no we, we just we just all loved the book fuck and we, that's just like... <laughs> what a wild movie oh god i loved it all right, <laughs> let... I just get... it's in the trailer but when he types up my pathology <laughs> and just hits a few clicks <laughs> and it's my pathology and <laughs> those are the moments where i'm just like should i be allowed to laugh at this and i don't think i I, I don't think I've earned that right, but it's still just so goddamn funny that I, I dove right in. Oh, so good. So good. We want to make sure that we're chat we're chatting about the most recent news uh, or, you know, the most impactful movie news that's out there right now. And there's a few things that we haven't touched on over the year, over the year, over the past couple of months um, or past couple of weeks. And one of them in particular, let's start with Jonathan Majors. So we've covered this from the beginning. Jonathan Majors was found responsible uh, or guilty, if you will, for one. I think it was one count. Mm -hmm. um um was it it was a civil trial right so he was found yeah, yeah responsible for a uh a, a account of um the, i don't even remember what it fully was but physical assault. essentially a domestic assault. abuse type yeah. of yeah assault yeah it's uh, those they changed the terminology from state to state and i don't i don't want to mischaracterize it and say something wrong here but anyway he was found responsible for the situation that he was in with his uh his girlfriend at the time um, Marvel dropped him within hours, um, minutes maybe, um, and he recently was just dropped from the Dennis Rodman movie as well. Uh, and it also begs the question: When magazine dreams will ever see the light of day? I, I actually uh, truly think that won't see the light of day. I think I it mean, will. I, 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 I think it's gonna I get dumped on Hulu. Yeah, well, it's yeah, that's the thing. It's ready for Hulu right now. It's mm -hmm. it's gonna be a very quiet release where, and Hulu already sucks at showing what like their new movies are. <laughs> sure. It's like you know, and then like this brand new movie. It's like, oh, I'll get back to that, and then it's just like hidden somewhere Gone. deep. It's like they don't have any idea to hold hold on to their new movies, so <laughs> they'll have no trouble doing that with magazine dreams. What do you think here, though? Um, and we don't have to spend too much time on this, but of course, all the questioning right now is what's going to happen with Kang moving forward. If you were a betting man, do you think they recast Kang or they pivot to another central character? I think not even to do with majors, which I think that it's a smart move to do like without majors and stuff, but um, not even having to do with any of that controversy. The Kang storyline has been kind of shitty. Like it just has not really gone the way they've wanted it to go where like most properties between, you know, Loki being its best property and, uh, you know, quantum of being the worst and, you know, <laughs> to hinge 
it on like uh, the series, which is which was tough to begin with, where they introduced this character in the last episode of a series. A great series. A series probably at that time people were all rooting for and everything, but still a series. And so I think, you know, Thanos was an after credit scene, but he was an after credit scene in several of the movies, and he was in a lot of the movies. And so, you know, by the time he showed up, no one really knew completely what he was, but they sort of had an idea. With this, we are expected from what we have. He's already been a main villain in a movie. And he's already been like the main villain in this other TV series. And so now it's like, oh, so he's now he's going to be the main villain again and again and again, where we haven't really been appetized by that. I'm thinking at this point, you know what, the the actor's gone. And yes, Kang is the kind of person where you can replace the actor easily because it's like literally, you know, different multiple variants. And so you can literally just like, hey, he's here's the Terrence Howard right. variant. Um, and so... Um, <laughs> Interesting choice. I know. I, well, I decided the to go with the recast. <laughs> the other recast where they really didn't handle like they handled that one perfectly too. <laughs> hey, Rhodes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like you know, you, you could do that. But at this point, like I don't know, man. People are more excited about Fantastic Four if they ever decide to cast it. I don't believe the casting rumors until I really, I really can't believe them because they just go back and forth. But I think people would be more excited to like see like the Fantastic Four be are like big time, you know, Hollywood superstars. Cause that's the other thing, you know, as much as I don't hate a lot of the people left over in these characters and stuff like that, they're not big time movie stars, but they're not um, Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth yeah. or um, Robert Downey Jr. We don't have those. So we need those for the fantastic four, then create the Dr. Doom villain that creates all of this. And I think that's the direction you have to go in here. It's like, Hey, Ken could now just go away. He really can. They, they did just kind of like, make him spaghetti slash put him in a vacuum. And there were a bunch of stadiums of them, but they could just like leave that behind like the dude chilling in the Arctic right now. So I, I think <laughs> you, you can manage to just be like, you know, <laughs> remember that can guy? Like, yeah, a little bit, but like, let's just keep going. Yeah. I'm with you there. I, I think it's time for them to pivot. I do like the idea of uh, kind of anchoring the future of the MCU, or at least the immediate future in the fantastic four um it, they have high hopes for fantastic four it's clear with all the buzz that it's had uh i think there's a lot of people out there clamoring for doom and bringing in dr doom so let's just get there you know like you don't want to you don't want to save some of these major characters and waste them when your mcu is on a decline yeah. um which it may be right now so i think they just need to really refocus kang's not working uh figure out what to do and this is your out for it this is our one Marvel corner, so I'll just ask it now. For as long as we go through negativity of Marvel, have you checked out Echo yet? Um, I did not watch Echo yet, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I'm I'm very bummed. I heard people. Get... I've heard split things. I've heard some people really like it uh, and said, but it's not impactful overall. Um, and that her performance is really good. She's amazing, and I can't underscore the importance of the representation and the way they handle all of the different representation because mm -hmm. it's basically native american community deaf community and disabled community mm -hmm. because um, she has a um, amputation so like they and they handle all of that exceptional um the story itself is just kind of yikes and yeah. it's just you know with, with five or six episodes i think it was it like moves like a bullet and in, in, to the point where in the, the final act of the final like in the uh, final episode like everyone's gearing up to fight each other and i'm like what is the plan <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know the stakes here. This guy's still chilling here. What is actually the plan of these everyone fighting? I don't actually know what's going on. And so I don't know if that's what stuff that was on the cutting room floor when they like, you know, did some major edits, but it was a little bit of a frustrating watch. Unfortunately, I was kind of upset. I like, I like that you would be the guy in a fight. That's like, whoa. Before we move on here, what is the plan? We're all what putting rocket launchers up, but I don't remember what our goals were here because we've only been around in the first episode. We're back in the fifth. What are we doing? Hey, time out, time out. Yeah, guys, um, there's some rewrites. Mr. Kingpin? Yeah. Can you give Yo, us Vinny. a minute? Vinny D. Like, first of all, how are you here? Like, I, I still have issues with that. <laughs> you good? <laughs> Does your head hurt at all? <laughs> you need some Advil. Oh my God! Well, we'll Marvel continues to not give us any answers to anything, so we'll see what uh, what happens moving forward. Um, one of the other bits of news, Sean, and we haven't talked about this, is that David Gordon Green is dropped out of the Exorcist sequel. Which I say, why didn't you do it with Halloween? 
um, because those two Halloweens that followed the first were atrocious as well. Um, but well, that's because the 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 first of his Halloweens was received pretty decently. Correct. And so he's like, "Hey, I could do this two more times." Yeah. And then this one <laughs> with the Exorcist, people did not drop on that train the same way. They're just nope. like, "Nah, dude, you're out." <laughs> yeah. Um. I, this. I mean, all this is just make a note of that. You know that he's out. I like I said, I wish that they would have made a change after the second Halloween, but I think he had. You're right. The goodwill from the first one. Um, but evil dies tonight, and uh, apparently it has died uh, with the Exorcist sequel, which currently does not have a director. So, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I a part of me thinks he he is those sequels. So, uh, like, when I heard this news, I'm like, they're not gonna try. I mean, I feel like he's the one that keeps on pushing these movies. So, if he's out, aren't are they just gonna be like, no, we're good? Like, well, let's no, because just... they bought the rights for a significant oh, sum of oh, money, God, so they so want to pump this shit out. But like, oh god, it's gonna be so rough. Meanwhile, like the Omen drops their trailer, and once again, we don't need any of these horror movie prequels and sequels. That trailer looked freaking dope. <laughs> and so it's like one of those things where I'm sitting there being like, I bet this is gonna be stupid, but you made a damn good trailer. So <laughs> I, I'm gonna hold on to you for just a brief second. <laughs> well done, well done. Um, in turn, uh, in the spirit of movies that we don't need, uh, Top Gun Three is in the works at Warner Brothers. I, so with this news, it's like I, I truly cannot believe that this wasn't announced. Like I don't know, maybe sometime in the summer when it was passing billions of dollars and making and like being like the the film that saved movies. How did that news not show up then? And I realized it's because oh yeah, like you know most stu- movie studios right now are horrifically bankrupt, and there's pretty much not a chance that they like are surviving. It's getting scarier and scarier. We don't have any of that news here because it's very dreaded, but like it, every single studio is just making layoffs and yeah. the streaming bubble bursts in the worst way possible. So now it's like, oh cool, yeah, you're making a Top Gun 3 film. I don't know if you're going to have enough money. It's going to be planes on strings. Oh no, wait, sorry, sorry. I take that all back because the Na- U.S. Navy is going to fund it. And like well, and I mean, that all goes back to as well, something we didn't talk about, but the heads of Paramount and Warner Brothers meeting reportedly to discuss a merger, which, you know, whole other conversation. But that goes to your point of how uh, drastic the situation is or how dire the situation is. Hey, listen, if there's one thing that Max needs, it's more shit. Let's, <laughs> let's get a, let's get a, but I need to scroll through a lot more. When Velma Max. season two coming soon. I, <laughs> Dr. Pill pimple popper. And stuff. <laughs> I hate when on Max, I'm tricked into watching a shitty documentary thinking it's a nice documentary because like, I don't know. I'm like, Oh, it's an HBO documentary. And then it's like, not even close. Like, <laughs> it's like the 18th season of like, you know, like where's Billy. And, <laughs> That's like when I, for years, I got roped into that show. Oh, God, what the hell was it? The show where they were trying to find, like, the secret treasure on some island or something, or so, I don't know. But I thought it was, like, a mini series and that they would oh. find it. And then I found out that there was, like, seven seasons at that time. Please I was tell like, tell me you're thinking of Outer Banks. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I was like, do they never find it? It was like the the I'll think of it, but I remember like asking my dad. I'm like, wait, this is still on. I thought it was a mini series. Like, I, this is classic Twin Peaks of like you know who killed Laura Palmer, and now it's just like I don't know. Maybe existence does, isn't real by by the time we go to the return of that. It's like we're not even talking about a murder mystery anymore. Curse Curse of Oak Island. That's why did that just pop in my head? I think. Yeah, Oak Island is a tree-covered island on the south shore of Nova Scotia that has intrigued treasure hunters for more than 200 years. It's believed that the island is hiding one of the greatest treasures of all time, but no one has been able to find it. Enter Rick and Marty Legina, uh, brothers from Michigan, who have bought the rights to much of the island to try to solve the mystery. Um, Yeah, it's been on forever. Uh, Season 11 um, is... uh, Tomorrow night is episode 10 of season 11, so they haven't found shit. (laughs) Speaking of the fact that you called it a uh, curse... Um, have you heard anything about how the curse ended? I have not because I'm still planning on watching it. Please text me when you watch it and it ends. It's I, I it is the most insane ending of a show that I've ever seen. How many episodes is that? It's ten. And are they hour long? Close to it, yeah. Okay. Probably forty five. But it's just that that might be our next like because I writing the review. I've had my notes for the review. 
and I think like 90% of my notes are on the finale. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth talking about. It's worth studied in the world. It's it's going to be just, it's pure insanity. And I can't wait for you to text me at really fucking pissed or elated. I'm not sure which or both. I, I'm or both. both. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely need to check that out. Uh, let's talk about another sequel that was announced. This is the sequel to 28 Days Later called 28 Years Later. Um, this I, I, this is one that I actually am kind of into because 28 years, 28 days later, um, really kind of reinvented this for me, reinvented the the way that zombies could be uh, portrayed on TV. And this is Alex Garland and Danny Boyle uh, developing this together. So like get these two wackos together and see what comes of it. Um, it's going to be set 20, 28 years, obviously, after uh, the events of 28 days later. But wasn't there a sequel as well? 28 weeks later, yes. 28 weeks later. Which... I just looked it up to see. So Danny Boyle and Alex Garland created the original of uh, 28 Days Later. And that movie absolutely rules. It's so good. Um, it's like back when Danny Boyle wasn't doing just like weird shit where he's like, let me make a movie where like no technology is possible to be seen on theaters with. And it's like, thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> and um, I just looked up the, uh, the uh, sequel and it was not written by them. Okay. Uh, written or directed by them which i've still heard the sequels very good um i've heard i'd never seen it but it's just like it's basically just bigger like you know in 28 yeah. days later it's one crew trying to get through this whole thing and then i think it's going to be a larger one so 28 years later with alex garland and um back with danny boyle that's great yeah. like having those two come back to the third one and everything this is going to make me want to see the second one not that i was avoiding it but i will now check it out it is like, yeah, when you think about it, it was a very close to redefinition of the zo zombie horror. I mean, it had like pandemic levels to it. And um, it's always tricky with the pandemic ones because it's like the government was trying to quarantine us. And so now that we've been through what we've been through, it's yeah. like, it's like oh. <laughs> the government in the movie is bad. <laughs> like, we're just trying to, it's a little bit tough to be like, oh, boy. <laughs> like, yeah. Different, um, different. Yeah, it's very different. So, so that's going to be something they have to walk on eggshells for through this, which I, I am welcoming that. I love that idea. I mean, Garland's just already like you know setting up the eggshells with him with making Civil War. So oh. this dude is not not afraid of a narrative. Um, I am ninety five percent sure that I saw twenty eight weeks later, but I cannot tell you anything about it. <laughs> like I, I think I like I can remember seeing it. Like I feel like I saw this movie. I can't tell you anything about it. So I'm into it. I mean, I, I kind of treat them as not the OG zombie people, but ones that um, really made me interested in zombies again um, or in general. Uh, so I'm excited to see them coming back with it. It'll be really interesting to see Garland just right again. Um, I got nothing against his uh, filmmaking. I mean, some of his filmmaking is like between Ex Machina and um, and even Men, Men. and um, also what's the one in between that I'm thinking of that's absolutely insane uh, with Natalie Portman and. Um, uh several women um annihilation annihilation which was insanely bonkers as well like once again second film don't hear no more <laughs> um so i i would love to see like because i think like between uh 28 days later and also um never let me go which he uh wrote but didn't direct um i think he has these interesting ideas that could sometimes be fascinatingly executed from a different vision and boyle was a hell of a vision to direct that one I'm learning two things about myself right now. One, I'm very attracted to Alex Garland. And oh. two, I'm very attracted to how weird he is. Like, his weird films. I mean, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. he's got that bad boy thing. He's a good-looking um, dude with a weird vibe, and I'm into it. Is well, that a red I mean, flag? You can't. I mean, it could be. Well, no, you, you can't make something like fun. Like, let's face it. Annihilation was supposed to be his weirdest thing. And it is definitely the weirdest thing and, like, the most, like, fucked up things you can imagine visually, but still make it beautiful. And then Men <laughs> has a third act of Russian nesting doll births that, you know, like, at that point, it's like you're, you're, you're working hard to make sure this is appearing visually in front of audiences. So, so you, you're a pretty sick puppy already. But, uh, yeah, he does. He's, he's a pretty good looking cat. I also enjoy the fact that, like, I remember walking out of men and being like, WTF, why did I really like that? <laughs> and, it, and he does some weird stuff. He's did, he recently did devs on TV as yeah. well, which was a like a, another just absolute mind fuck. And so, you know, I, I, I'd like to see what he has to do. And so, even though Civil War 
worries me for, I don't know, how it will be perceived or met or just in general what that's going to, like, bring about in this world like in terms of arguments and discourse. I'm still in. It's Garland. I'm still in. I mean, that guy, like, kind of hasn't missed. Do you know what else he wrote back in the day? Sunshine with Rose Burns, uh, Killian Danny Murphy. Boyle as well. He was a Danny Boyle partner. And Chris Evans. Um, that was a pretty, that was an underrated movie in my opinion. And then another one that he wrote was, oh, he wrote Never Let Me Go. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then Dread. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, you said he recently did Devs. I'll have you know that was 2020 and that was four years ago now. So <laughs> that's that's how time's flying. I mean... <laughs> Like, within the last three projects. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're about a month away from when the world started shutting down four years ago. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, just think about the fact that like right now I know that like time's going to pass faster with a daughter too. Like all of a sudden she's going to be downstairs. Like, oh, you're watching Criterion movies again. <laughs> <laughs> or she's going to screw up your order of like how you watch things. She's going to go, go fuck with all the apps. I can't wait. That already happened, by the way. I have, <laughs> I have officially... On this day, um, 2024, Anos de I have officially given up my order system um, because, I don't know, during Christmas break, I was in front of the TV a lot more than I usually am, and I just started watching everything, like, just straightforward. And, uh, yeah. It's... I'm getting pissed off right now. So you mean to tell me that this order that you have spent countless minutes arguing for yeah. and defending on this podcast has been thrown out the window. There were a lot of shows and I don't think I would have been able to get through them all. And now I don't have any shows. I have like right now I have reviews of shows that are going to take me probably through January. Um, so I'll be posting those intermittently. <laughs> I this was not believe this. This was it. Well, I got, I, I started to get panicked because there's going to be a lot of cool shows in April. Um, and or April, what's today? What's this month? January. January. There's gonna be a lot of shows in January. Um, like Masters of the Air is coming out. Austin Butler, Barry Keoghan, Take to the Skies. So what'd you do? Just delete a bunch of them? Oh no, I didn't delete them. I finished watching them, but uh, <laughs> but out of just, order. But yeah, I just like I, I would just watch. I just watched the rest of them as they went, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta see how the Gilded Age ends. I don't even know you anymore. Well, no, the Gilded Age. I mean, like you know, the one plot where like union workers were almost murdered by one of the characters, and the other plot where a butler's trying to fix an alarm clock. There's one where they go down south to see if racism is still there, and then there's another one where there's a writhing opera house. And, I think so, that's. I, I think that's also the storyline of the Mandalorian and Grogu movie that Star Wars recently announced. This uh, was your best segue. <laughs> Because uh, that is happening. Uh, and we have a new Mandalorian and Grogu movie that uh, has been announced with Dave... Uh, who is it? John Favreau directing? John Favreau's, uh, John Favreau's in charge of all that. Yeah, yeah, he's directing that. There, there's no word yet on if uh, Pedro Pascal is going to be in the mix. Interestingly enough, though, and this is what everyone has, like, they're losing their minds about, is... Uh, and I, I, My God, my mind is, like, spiraling right now with different connections to make to this. But... Mm -hmm. Uh, there, this is going into production later this year, and people are like, well, what does that mean for the future of, one, the Mandalorian series? Because there's also a greenlit fourth season that's in the works. But then also, what does that mean for his rumored role in Fantastic Four, which I don't subscribe to, by the way. I don't believe that he's going to be in Fantastic Four, but everyone seems sold on that. And then there's the question, though, or the point that, uh, you know, he wears a helmet most of the time in the Mandalorian, and they can get away without him. Uh, but... It, well, and also because taking the helmet off has been a big issue for a lot of people, very similar to how Master Chief did it in the Halo series. Side note, the series, the uh, trailer for Halo Season 2 looks fire. It looks <laughs> really good. Like, hopefully they learned a lot of lessons from what went wrong in the first one. But it looks really good. All that to say, we have another Star Wars movie on the docket. Do you actually think it's coming? Well, I, I, I remember I, my initial reaction was absolutely not, because when a Star Wars movie is announced, it then gets canceled immediately. Yeah. But the one thing that's keeping me from thinking that this time is that this is John Favreau. Yeah, I agree. This is that. one of the people that are like, this isn't like, you know, the crazy auteur directors that are getting those jobs and stuff. This is a guy that's been in the Star Wars creative helm this entire time. And it's Favreau doing, you know, like what Favreau did best, which was like bring peace among star Wars fans with, the, with that first season <laughs> of the Mandalorian. I'm still remember we all almost killed each other after, after episode nine. 
And so all of a sudden this comes out, this first show comes out and we all adored it beyond all belief. Um, then, you know, second season, third season, it begins to trail a little bit more and more, but like, regardless, everyone is just kind of stunned by how great this was. And so he's, he, it's the cash cow. Like this, like, you know, this isn't like, um, you know, someone else wanted to make a Star Wars movie about like the Trinity of planets that no one's ever heard. No, this is like everybody already has a Grogu toy and more people will buy more Grogu toys. Um, I mean, as in terms of like what this means for season four, I don't think it has to matter. These, these guys just go on adventures like this will just be one of their adventures. I don't think it's going to be like, well, will the end of three connect into four and then connect into like one of the episodes of four or three? So it's going to be like the Simpsons movie. <laughs> I, I, I think exactly like that. It will just be like, you know, this horrible title Mandalorian and Grogu of like a strange image of them jumping off a exploding ship. That can't and be I, the final title, right? <laughs> I mean, Oh God, let's, it would be very interesting. Uh, just call it Wolf and Cub and work on the lawsuits. Just like. I, I just imagine that Favreau and Filoni like walked into Kathleen Kennedy's office and were like, yo, Kathy, you can't get your shit together with these movies. Yeah. We got that Ray one that's support supposedly coming. Uh, but the internet's up and, you know, going crazy about that right now because the director made a comment about women and how women are better than men or whatever that was taken out of context. We're going to do it. We're going to take our boys to the big screen. What do you think? And she was like, yeah, you got the money, whatever. I don't know what to do. Who's Grogu? Uh, and here we are. This is the classic example of, you know, James Cameron, like pitching the alien, the alien sequel by putting S and then a dollar sign yeah. <laughs> and yes. dropping it. Yes. And it's just, this is what this is like. This is the most successful thing you can do. It's the least uh, like, you know, uh, creatively popular or at least creatively interesting. Um, but nobody gives a shit about that. They need to like, it's, it's been, as we talked about 2020 was a while ago, 2019 was even further ago. And there has not even been a, a sniff of a, a star Wars movie. So at this point, or there, excuse me, there's been just sniffs. Um, and so at this point, I think you, you gotta do like, I, as much as I decry this, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I like Grogu. I like Mandalorian and stuff like that. And, I, I don't imagine this being that great, but I imagine it being very lucrative. And so that part of it could will, will definitely work for them. I, um, I'm a little frustrated. Like, I, I, I want something new. Like, I really want them to explore different yeah. corners. I've said this forever. I want them to explore different corners. I want them to stop with the regular timelines. Like there was rumors or there's uh, news out. I don't know if it's official yet, but that they're going to try to do like a Star Wars what if type series. I saw that. That makes me just <laughs> absolutely. That gave me explosive diarrhea. And, <laughs> and someone said, what if Palpatine returns? <laughs> <laughs> what if somehow Palpatine survived? I, oh God, that sounds so horrible. There's not enough like interesting like avenues to go down with that and it's it's such a bummer that you know the case that we could make against them doing anything new ever is that the complete lack of success of andor their best thing they've made and it's the least watched and yeah it's so damn sad but it's but something like that in theaters with star wars behind it would be an event yeah it's i just don't think we're at event streaming yet aside from proven entities. Um, and and I say that with things like, you know, the first season of The White Lotus wasn't that well watched or whatever, yeah. but after it gained steam, people went back and watched it. Um, Star Wars, I mean, even if you're trying to tell a different story in a TV show within the Star Wars realm, uh, it's still, there's still a barrier to accessing that for people that may not be totally involved or in the know. Um, I will say that the, the Game of Thrones duo, they had bailed or they, jumped ship from Lucasfilm back in 2019. And it was rumored at the time that they were supposed to make a new Jedi trilogy. Mm -hmm. uh, and they recently commented, and I forget where this was, but they, their pitch was to, uh, to make a film about the first Jedi. And I was like, yes, I would love that. Like that is something I want to see. Um, but it just for some reason is not what we're focused on. Uh, they, that's that's still, I thought that plot was still on there and Mangled was doing that now. Uh, I don't even know now. What was Mangold's? Maybe it was called something else, but. Uh, about the uh, Dawn of the Jedi. Yeah. A live action Star Wars one about the Dawn of the Jedi. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess they stuck with that idea. So um, 
I, my point in saying that, though, is I would have loved to see the Game of Thrones people behind it telling that new story because I thought that they were really good at telling like these fantastical stories, obviously, what we saw with Game of Thrones. Um, but uh, it's, once again, something that Kathleen Kennedy was not able to take across the finish line. And uh, just another two uh, two people that she has broken broken relationships with. I'm trying to find the thing. There it is. There's this uh, three-body problem that the... Uh, Game of Thrones people are doing right here. And um, it will follow humanity's contract with an alien civilization, seeing humanity being vulnerable to the same external threat. And uh, the cast on this looked pretty good. Um, and now I'm looking at them and they all look like unknowns. John Bradley's <laughs> in there. Okay. Um, Easy Gonzalez, Benedict Wong, Liam Cunningham. So they're bringing Alex Sharp. I knew there was quite a few in here. Interesting. Um, Jonathan Price. So they, the actors are fans of their creators. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So like this is coming in on Netflix and this is like a big Netflix movie here. Like this is going to be a TV series coming out. I've heard about this one happening. And, Wait, like, it's a movie or a series? Series. Three oh. body problem on Netflix. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. I, okay. Yeah. Now I got it. That's them that did it? That's them that are doing that. Yeah. Ooh. So it's coming out sometime this year. So I'm, I mean, of course I'm going to see the next thing they did. Listen, yeah, I know. Game of Thrones ended with a thud. But they gave us great seasons. And I'm not going to, like, decry them of that. Like, I, they're, they're, there's there's good that they can do. And so I'm curious to see what this is. March 21st. Nice. Mystery series. Three-body problem. Interesting. Okay. Uh, last thing for us to discuss is just Nev Campbell continuing to say the right things but keep things cagey. Uh, she basically uh, said that in conversation this weekend, I, I want to say it's on an award show, but it probably was at one of the conventions or something. Um, she said, it's sad to me they're struggling at the moment. I would imagine that the people at the top are spinning a little bit, trying to make the right decision. I think I would imagine people want to do the right thing. I would hope. I love this franchise. I love it for Wes, referring to Wes Craven. Uh, I love it for all the people who've been involved and even the newer cast. I would hope it doesn't fall apart. And then when she was asked if she would return, because that's always the question. I'm sure she gets it a million times. She said, given the right circumstances, yes. I made a statement several years ago, and it was the reason I didn't do the film at the time. And I just really felt the need to stand up and say that I don't believe I would have been treated the way this way had I been a man carrying a franchise for 25 years. And I think that still stands. So if they were to choose to come back to me, that would continue to be my takeaway. We'll see. I I don't think there's a world where they haven't come back to her in, in some fashion. Um, but I, I to me, she's trying to she's trying to make a statement without making a statement in a yeah. sense um all that to say who knows what's going to happen she she's awesome but carrying a franchise is a wee bit generous i mean she's been like you know kind of like one of these supporting characters on it for a while now i think yeah but like, she was the final girl you know and oh in the beginning yeah no like like i just you know i i, I think that that it's been passed to well, a new generation that's now no longer in it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll like, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I, th this one kind of like the Marvel situation is like, you guys need to just like pause this and figure out what you're doing and you could do something else. You like the Carpenter sisters are gone. Okay. Like, but what, what can you do to keep teens in this? Cause that's part of the majesty of mm -hmm. this. Um, you got Mason Gooding and you got Jasmine Savoy Brown. You got good people in this. Yeah. That are being overlooked and aren't as true are neither of them are tremendously huge stars but they're on their way and they're good in these screen but they're uh, well, both really good and she was good in both of them gooding in particular was good in the last one yes but um, um, and gooding now has that new arquette role of like getting stabbed pretty times. much being convicted of dying and then showing up at the very end I, the thing that gets me sean honestly is you know, I, I get what you're saying. Like they've they focus on some other characters throughout. She's always been there, and she's mm -hmm. forever the first final girl of Scream. And especially that first trilogy was all focused on her. The yeah. fourth one started to deviate, and then of course five and six have gone different ways. But five had her in there as well, and there's still question as to like what she's up to. And as long as she's still a final girl out there, um, there's still stuff that we want to see as fans. And uh, I really hope that they br – I think they're going to bring her back. I think they have to. I always said that she would come back at some point down the road because um, the series I don't see ending. I think they're just in a real creative bind right now to figure out how to move forward. Well, I guess, like, what's great about it is you could – she could miss a couple of movies and just be like, yeah, no, I was off with my family in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. Like, you, like it's an easy – it's an easy thing to miss. Like, um, be, 
and then she comes back and you know she can she can come back quite easily yeah but you see i i agreed and see them bringing her back in you of course you got courtney cox still riding <laughs> riding the riding alive <laughs> Uh, but then you also bring back uh, what's his name, McDreamy, as uh, um, oh yeah, the husband Mark. Her husband's name is Mark. Everyone believes it's Mark Kincaid from Scream Three, and then he comes back in, and then you have a crossover with Thanksgiving. Done. I, was gonna, I just I was solved say, it for you. Does Will Patrick Dempsey bring the um, bring uh, the Boston accent that he has in Thanksgiving? <laughs> because Patrick Dempsey has been just absolutely running with the accents because. When he showed up in Ferrari, I like every ounce of my jaw dropped. Oh my and, God. Uh, and like before he started speaking, I was like, is that Patrick Dempsey? Is he going to speak? And yes, he rocks an Italian accent that just, my goodness. <laughs> All right, Sean, before we finish up tonight, here's the game we're playing. This is Guess the Movie, Letterbox Edition. I'm going to okay. read you a popular Letterbox quotes. Some of them are going to be very simple. Some of them may be a little harder, but they're all pretty, you know, on the lighter side. Uh, and tell me what movie it's from. Okay. All right. First one from Dan Pye. I thought the husband was a DJ cooking a banger upstairs. <laughs> Anatomy of a fall. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I swear that freak gained new powers every time he consumed the bodily fluids of this family. <laughs> Saltburn. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Jeaba. Uh, J-E-A-B-A. Um Every time Jacob Alordi stood next to a car, I thought, no way is he fitting in there. <laughs> Elvis. Priscilla. Because I thought, oh, yeah, Priscilla. Yeah, that's I, I honestly, I, I thought that same thing. I was like, <laughs> that's like the commercial with Shaq where they showed him outside the car and then inside the car. And it's like, yeah, they tore open that car. <laughs> yes. Um, when, uh, from Dylan Troskin, when your family curse is just mere, the mere existence of your father. Oh, family curse is just the mere existence of your father. It's a recent one. I was going to say, this sounds familiar. I don't know that you've seen it, actually, now that. Shoot. Zachary Efron. Oh, wait, yeah, Iron Claw. <laughs> Iron Claw. Um, and then the final one, also from Jeba, who is all over Letterboxd, I learned today. Uh, Sir, you are not a fuckboy. You are 35 years old. Please go pay your taxes. And it's a recent one. Ah, oh, sir, you are not. <laughs> Sir, you are not a fuckboy. You are 35 years old. Please go pay your taxes. Recent one. <laughs> oh, well, no. Uh, anybody, anyone but you? It's anyone but you. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> See, well I don't want to... I, I can't insult Glenn Powell yet. He's not... He <laughs> He's hasn't not hit yet. that level yet. Like, it's it, a couple more movies of him being ridiculously attractive. Then America should start to hate him. Come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, Sean, uh, we have this week, we have Origin that is finally hitting theaters, Ava DuVernay's next one, uh, which I'm very excited about. And then there's also another little one. Um, I don't think we talked about it last week, but Nick and I talked about it when you were out. ISS. Um, ISS looks interesting. And it looks so fascinating, and it's not getting a lot of attention. Uh, but I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens with that. I believe it showed at Sundance last year. I Yeah, this is where... Um... Things are going to get interesting for me because I've started to realize that it is it is going to be one movie a week for me. Yeah. And so, um, you know, actually, I got lucky this week because there was uh, social engagement. And so Sam's just like, hey, go see another movie. So that's how I got to see Mean Girls. But um, I like this week, even though it came out last week, uh, The Beekeeper mm -hmm. is just kind of getting a lot of great reviews, even though it looked like shit. And so I'm always curious when that kind of stuff happens. People but, are saying it's absolutely dumb and stupid, but it's a blast. <laughs> I, I might take that in. But yeah, there's nothing else too much that's like uh, coming out, which is bothering me because right now is the time where like some of the awards ones come out. So I keep on scrolling and I'm like, is Zone of Interest ever going to come out in theaters? Like that's one that might be, I think that is my last one of award stuff because I don't think Origin's going to get too many awards, but that was another buzzy one. But uh, I did look Zone of Interest up when it was releasing, and I can't remember what oh, February, well, in the UK, February 2nd. Jesus! Like... <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Um, and we, uh, thanks to everyone who entered the Oppenheimer giveaway, we will reach out to the individual who won and publicize that once confirmed. Woo! Other than that, Sean, 170 episodes. And to think we started off uh, in a different house completely, in a different pandemic, all the good stuff. 
different different house completely different platform different title to the podcast uh no you didn't have a dog you weren't dog, married house wasn't married daughter daughter i ended with daughter on that one <laughs> house daughter <laughs> <laughs> that one that one uh anyway sean uh, i'm gonna go watch my eagles lose and i will see you next week godspeed bye